I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football. I like football season all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on YouTube, and it's wide receiver day, Sam. We're going to go through our individual wide receiver rankings. We can compare it to Mike Renner's receiver rankings, the consensus board, and uh, we'll just talk wide receivers and sleepers and uh, talk pass game, man. Yeah, and this time you've actually made it as far as 10 guys on a list. Is that right? I had a top 10 last okay. year. No, 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 but uh, quarterbacks, you, had, you only went as far as five. No, you I got, didn't want to. You got lazy. Didn't want to go out on a limb there. Now you've actually gone as far as 10. Yeah. yeah. Though I didn't love it. You know, the receiver class is always very difficult to rank every year. Last year, this show cooked. People like Monster it. numbers. So apparently wide receivers are the thing. When I put it out on Twitter, you know, poll for the next position, wide receiver won in a landslide. Apparently the people want them some wide receivers. They do. So let's give it to them. Um, I thought it would be fun to go back to last year. Oh, no. And maybe start with, only because we look pretty good. Oh, um, okay. Other than Jahan Dotson being nowhere to be found. Hmm. And um, we were too low. I think, in hindsight, we were too low on him, both of us. But last year's wide receiver class, if we remember, was deeper. There was some debate at the top as to who the number one receiver was, much like this year. There always seems to be. There's, you know, different styles and all that stuff. But then... The NFL said, we love this wide receiver class. They drafted six receivers in the top 18. I don't foresee that happening this year. I think it's going to no. be a, a much less liked receiver class. We also had last year a bunch of receivers who we knew were good, and then they all went to the combine and ran really fast. So it, didn't only, it wasn't just a good receiver class. It was a fast one as well, right? There was a lot of playmakers, and, and there was a lot of – uh, those six receivers in the top 18, plus like a Christian Watson breaking out last year, there was a lot of production coming out of last year's receiver class. I mean, they were less fast than they looked when they ran at the combine. Yeah, I know. You so know, there was once they readjusted everything up to tents. All right. So it was we'll like go. the first day. What was that guy's name? It was the first time that the, Mark the new the new stopwatch guy. Yeah, he was struggling. Yeah, it wasn't. They were still fast. Itchy though. trigger finger. I'm just uh, tweeting this out. Yeah, like when we. So when I went through this class. I was left definitely with the sense that it's nowhere near as strong as last year's at the top. But the deeper into this class I get, the more I like it. So I don't love what the first round or two looks like. But then once you get beyond that and you get you start getting into the mid-rounds, like, there's so much depth in this group. Yeah, and look, you could I say this every year. You could just go find previous wide receiver discussions where I'm like, look, you can find depth because it's the position where you can, you're more likely to look at positives. Here's what this guy can do. You're more likely to, to focus on the can do when it comes to receivers because you can make him a number two or a number three or a gadget player or just a slot or just a Z or just an X, whatever it might be. You could play to a guy's strengths a little bit more at receiver than you can at other positions like tackle where you have to play. You have to play every single down. So let's go back to, to last year's rankings. For you and I, I think we have this fired up as a graphic. Um, we both loved the Ohio State guys. We both had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave mm -hmm. in our in our top five, or in our well, one and two. So there we go. There's 
your top five, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. We're, we're in lockstep, we're both, one, two, three. We both agreed there. You were on a limb with George Pickens, mm -hmm. who ended up going in the second. You look good there with George Pickens. And you had Drake London fifth. Now, you know, it's debatable. London was probably a touch better than Pickens last year, but they were close. It's fine. Uh, but you nailed a, you know, good receivers there. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that list. Um, obviously, Jameson Williams gets the kind of red shirt season, essentially, for his rookie year. I... Based off what we saw in those limited snaps, the cameos late in the year, I, I still think he's going to be really good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that five. The one difference there, I had Drake London at four. Um, I did like him. I soured on him a touch as the process went on, maybe, maybe too much. So I had London at four and then Traylon Burks at five. Um, so I had Pickens a little bit lower. Uh, neither of us loved uh, Christian Watson, I don't think. I think we looked mm -hmm. at the deficiencies there. We compared him to uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think that's... Kind of what he was. And again, how do you value that? I mean, if you do hit and you become that deep threat like Christian Watson did, it's pretty valuable. And uh, we were probably a little too low on Jahan Dotson. So I wanted to bring that up because in this year's class, Garrett Wilson, I think, is the would be the one. Yeah. I think Chris Olave would be the one. And I think there'd be some serious debate about Jamison Williams, a Drake London, maybe a George Pickens being better than any of the receivers in this draft class. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's fair. Like you, number one, two, three, which is where we were in lockstep last year. Um, Wilson, Alave, and Jamison Williams. I think each one would be the number one wide receiver in this class. Now, that will get that would get sp specifically squirrely this year because one of the top options this year is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, quote unquote, outperformed Wilson and Alave in the same offense at the same time. So you would definitely have like a cadre of JSN supporters saying, that's ridiculous. How could you possibly have those guys above him? That he had better numbers in the same offense. He didn't really outperform them, though. He had lower volume and he played in the slot. So you could make that argument that he just had this easier role. You could, but they, they effectively specifically moved Garrett Wilson out of the slot to accommodate JSN. And as much as those guys are going to be pretty incentivized to say good things about JSN now... Because, you know, they've made it. He's on his way to making it. Why wouldn't they talk him up? Even at the time, those guys were talking him up as, like, I've never seen anybody that runs routes like this, blah, blah, blah. So there has been a lot of hype about him right away. And it's not so much so. I think the slot does artificially inflate um, production in some of these offenses in college. It's also become the position, though, where, like, the number one dude gets moved to. Because right. it does that, right? So you put your best player in the best position to succeed. So, you know, Minnesota was doing this for a while with uh, Tyler Johnson and um, the dude from Baltimore. His name is Rashad Bateman. I had Bateman, where they would take their number one guy and the number one guy would move to the slot. And then once the number one guy went to the NFL, the next guy would move into the slot. And that's just how they did it. I think Ohio State's doing a similar thing with their wide receivers to a degree. So there's there's something there, but it's definitely not as clean as – well, his numbers were better, therefore he's better than Alave and Wilson. Before we get into the rankings, a reminder, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, uh, we're going to get into the rankings high level. I think it's, it's a challenge at the top. 
I think it was much harder this year than last year as far as saying I love all these guys as first rounders. Mm -hmm. I would also say you and I both, as we were going back and forth discussing these things, said that ranking receivers 6 to 10 was all over the place. Again, this might be consistent with every single year, a bit of a challenge, but taking receivers 6 through 20 to be honest, and shuffling them up and putting some of them in your top 10 and pushing them some some out of your top 10 was a little bit of a challenge, I would say. Yeah, honestly, it's not even six. Like, there's three guys I feel reasonably good about as first-rounders. After that, the whole thing gets chaotic. And I like, I find myself liking sort of 10 through 20 more than I like four through 10. Not, not exactly, you know what I mean? But I, I think... There's a group four through ten that I think can definitely be good NFL players and like I, I think are overall a bit better, but because of when you sort of when you factor in where those guys are going to be drafted, I feel less good about it than I feel about the guys that are going to be available for mid to low round picks, where I think the difference between them is actually pretty marginal. All right, well let's get into it. We start at the top here, right? Yeah. All right, Sam. Who's your number one wide receiver in the NFL draft? My number one receiver this year is Jordan Addison, the USC, formerly Pitt, wide receiver, um, who I think is falling out of favor now. Like, earlier in the process, I think he was a lot of people's number one, and now between weighing in pretty lightweight, between not having tremendously good workout numbers, seems like he's slipping. You're seeing a lot of people now either with Quentin Johnson from TCU or Jackson Smith and Jigba is the number one. Addison's kind of slipping by the wayside, but I think he's still, to me, the best composite of everything you want. He can play inside or out. At Pitt, he played very much in the slot primarily. At USC, he was primarily on the outside. Both years, he had extremely good production and a yards per route run point of view. He wins at all levels. He can go short, intermediate, deep. He has a he's had a fairly complete route tree throughout his career. I just think he's the the safest composite of everything you want. He reminds me a little bit of Garrett Wilson from a year ago, where you're sort of saying, "Is he great at anything? No, but he's good at everything." Yeah, I mean, yeah, Wilson. I think we we already mentioned. I think Wilson was a better prospect, route runner, and all that stuff. The the Addison question marks are probably the workouts, right? Five eleven, one seventy three. So he's very slight, and this is. The year of the slight wide receiver. I mean, over and over. A lot. Uh, you know, I've I've talked to some some people around the league who might be in the market <laughs> for uh, bigger receivers, right? You know, someone who's uh, at least over two hundred pounds, like your friend Bryce Young, who's over two hundred pounds, and you can't find him, right? All the guys we're ranking are in the one seventies, one eighties as far as weight. Some in the one sixties. So five eleven, one seventy three, and four four nine, forty. Right, so you're talking basically a four-five guy in Jordan Addison at that type of uh, weight, and you know three cone was about average to below average. Everything's mediocre from a workout standpoint. So you're banking on Jordan Addison, the football player, Bolitnikov Award winner in 2021 at Pitt, and you're banking on him as the football player. But you're, to your point, he's just a he is a good receiver, right? He's a good football player despite not being an incredible athlete. It's also, I think it's an important thing to point out that as much as his workout numbers and size and like the complete <laughs> composite, right? That relative athletic score that um, Kent Lee Platt puts together, Math Bomb on Twitter, it basically ranks him average as a wide receiver, right? So it's an important distinction, I think. And that, that folds in size, movement skills, athleticism, all this kind of stuff. 
it's important, I think, to draw the distinction between bad workout numbers and just not great workout numbers. Like his numbers were not problematic. They were simply not what you would want to see for a guy you're about to spend a first round draft pick on, right? So I think it is pretty important to make that distinction that he didn't work out terribly. He just didn't work out really well. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do my own uh, combine numbers, oh. basically. Also have Jordan Addison, dead smack average. In um, I'm also working with uh, two wide receiver models here. A little, you know, a little A-B testing on the model. Have you got a good name? AKA overfitting. What I'm doing is overfitting my model. But um, average in both. Have you got a good name for this, or this is just the, uh, the model workout? Number? I'd call it my just combine percentile. I'm basically I'm looking at combine numbers and how they actually project to performance. Performance combine measurables. How's that? Performance combine PCM. measure. PCM. You got to think about the acronym here. PCM. Yeah. It's like, did you see the uh, the late Austin Gales article about? Uh, did he add another acronym? Well, he had the number of. Um, he did an entire article that Bill Simmons tweeted. That's how that's how good this thing was, right? He went through and watched the entirety of Succession, the TV show, and counted up the number of f bombs dropped in it, and did some analytics essentially on the f bombs. Who was saying it to who? Uh, how did they say it? You know, what variety of F-bomb was dropped? How many in a show? All this kind of thing. And dropped in there somewhere. Uh, I need, where is it? The acronym that he created off the back of this was, uh, damn it, where is it? There you go. Uh, F-bombs per episode average, or FPEA. Got that into that an article. That is so on brand. Everything right? about that is on brand. Phenomenally awesome. For Austin Gale. Yeah. So you need something like that. You need to think about the acronym when you're creating your uh All right. Your we'll, let the, we'll let the chat figure out. It's combine and uh, performance-based. Anyway, the point being, Addison is not a bad athlete or bad from a workout measurables, blah, blah, blah standpoint. He's just not good. So I have Addison as my number two. Okay. And my number one, I believe, is your number two? Yeah. Who's your number two? Jackson Smith and Jigba. Okay, so he's my number one wide receiver. Let's talk about both of these guys here. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, what did, what puts Addison above Smith and Jigba for you? So Smith and Jigba, I think, can actually do more in the NFL than he did in college, by which I mean I think there's a reasonable chance that he can actually survive on the outside, play X receiver, beat press coverage, you know, be more of a do-it-all type of receiver. The do what Addison has done in college or do what Garrett Wilson did last year in the NFL. I don't think he should be pegged as just this slot guy, which is where a lot of people are going to label him coming in. But the difference between the two is one is a projection. The other one, I've seen it happen already. Like, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba can do things in the NFL that he hasn't necessarily been asked to do in college. I already know Addison can do it because I watched him do it. Yeah, the, I mentioned all of the the measurables for Addison. You know, in my notes, you could see you could see him running away from corners on post routes yeah. down the field. Like Addison feels fast. Uh, Smith and Jigba, on the other hand, doesn't feel fast, right? As I, I think I mentioned on the last show that I was here, I said, hey, in my notes, I said Smith and Jigba feels four five five, and he ran four five three. He doesn't feel fast, and I know that sounds ridiculous on the surface, right? One guy ran four four nine, one guy ran four five three. But I'm just talking on the field game speed. Addison does feel faster than Smith, Smith and Jigba. Do we know that if the um, the tracking data separates them? Because their 40s are very similar. Yeah, I haven't looked. Um, well, I was trying to 
Things are imploding over here. Um, I was trying to, I didn't mean to look it up. I'm not supposed to give away too much tracking data. It's right. You know, just, just it's exclusive little, to our PFF IQ customers one here. One little data point. That's all I'm asking for. I know. We could look for it. Um, but yeah, I think Addison feels a little bit faster, but I still have Smith and Jigba um, as the guy. I mean, from a route running perspective, even though he was running out of the slot, I agree with you. I think he could play outside. I think he is so smooth. I've seen other people make the Amonra St. Brown comparison. Um, and, you know, I've seen the question posed as well. Does that mean as a prospect? I, I think the comparison is here's what you think he's going to look like in the NFL. And if you get an Amonra St. Brown who can win outside, win in the slot, uber possession type, going to move the chains, I think Smith and Jigba can do all of that. So I like him as the one. I've got slightly more concerns about Addison being as effective in a high-volume attack as Smith and Jigba, I guess. But it's close. It's all close. I think they're the two best all-around receivers, though, yeah. in, the, like in the draft. Smith, Smith and Jigba's selling point is route running and separation ironically for a guy that runs four or five um but it's the it's the change of direction numbers we had it on the screen a little bit but he had a an all-world three cone time an all-world short shuttle time like the change of direction numbers he posted were absurd like 99th percentile type of stuff which is exactly what you need if you're going to offset being essentially a four or five guy um you add that to what i was talking to renner about yesterday this ability to over-exaggerate all the fakes that you run during your route. He's also really good at varying the pace of his routes. He, he runs routes in a very strange way. He's not like Stevie Johnson, who is like the... Nobody, nobody knows that reference right now. Right, old Buffalo Bills wide receiver, the guy that gave Darrell Rivas the biggest problems throughout his entire career. And the reason he did is because he ran routes in essentially such an ad-libbed, unpredictable way that Rivas couldn't read him. Right? You, you can read most receivers because you know how they run a route to get to a certain spot. Stevie Johnson would just kind of make it up on the fly and vaguely get to, the, to a point at the end of this thing. But it was vaguely, it was so sort of ad hoc and chaotic that it was very difficult for a quarterback to like predict where he was going to be, which isn't necessarily the most helpful thing in the world. Um, Smith and Jigba doesn't do it like that, but he varies his speed during the route. He varies the sort of... Um, the cadence of his of his gait does that make sense like oh, his, yeah. his steps the pacing of his steps varies the sort of the movement patterns that he makes during the route are very difficult to read for for defenses and then you add that to the fact that once he decides to change direction he can do it a hell of a lot quicker than you can with a three cone route running is is his forte and separation underneath and and in the uh the sort of horizontal stuff in particular i, I think smith and jigba has a great feel for playing in the slot. I think he's just got a good feel for just navigating the field. Sometimes you just see guys who know how to run routes against zone, how to how to find the soft spot. We hear that all the time. How, but also how to how to create separation against man, how to move defenders. I think Smith and Jigba's got a little wiggle before and after the catch. So he's my one. I get Addison as my two. I did find uh, the game speed numbers here. So over the last three years. Our perception, which is Addison feels faster on the field, mm -hmm. is correct. Let's go. By about a mile an hour using the average max speed that they've hit, uh, their, their average top five, right? So we're just we're looking at high-end plays here. Addison also hit over 20 miles an hour far more often than Smith and Jigba did. A lot of this is opportunity-driven, but it's just kind of giving you a gauge. Addison does play a little bit faster on the field, or at least he has 
to this point. So it's an, that is one of those Love data it. points that, um, you know, right now I'd say two-thirds of the league has have access yeah. to this data. Love it when the data backs up what you think. Yeah. Love it. When it, when, when it feels, when it feels uh, right and you can back it up that way. So despite, as much as I love speed, baby, um, despite that, I'm still going Smith and Jigba 1 and Jordan Addison 2. The other uh, I, reasonable, like I'm not, this is, I, I felt fairly strongly about Garrett Wilson being the number one guy last year. I don't feel as strongly about Addison this year and people that want to make a compelling case for Smith and Jigba in particular, I'm open to that. Um, the other notable point I think that's worth making for Addison is when you watched Kenny Pickett tape last year, Addison always jumped off the screen. And I've, I've come to believe that there's this is one of my things, you know, like the senior ball, dominating at the senior ball is, a, I think, an important data point. When you jump out based off somebody else's tape, I think that's a good data point. Like if you are obviously the best player when you're trying to watch somebody else, this is like Jalen Carter. No matter who you are watching on the Georgia defense, Jalen Carter was the guy that kept catching your eye in the greatest defense in college football history. I think that's important. So for Addison to be consistently jumping out of Kenny Pickett's tape, even when he's not targeting Kenny or when he's not targeting Jordan Addison, I think is quite an important data point. Like it, being that recognizable when you're not actually looking for a guy, I think is a, I think is a notable thing. All right, here's one other. I'll give you a model data point right here. Again, I'm A-B testing. I'm doing a couple here. But um, in this particular version of it, uh, Smith and Jigba is in the top 15. I don't care about actual rankings necessarily within the model. It's just kind of like the clusters, right? There's uh, the top 15 in the model. Uh, Smith and Jigba is in the top five. But of the top 15 in this ranking, there's one, two, three, four, five, six elite players in that top 15. So the hit rate for just finding elite players using the model is pretty good. We're talking Devontae Smith, who has been uh, an elite production guy. Uh, Jalen Waddell is up there. C.D. Lamb, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and then Drake London. All of those guys using our war metric have been elite relative to the, to the rest of the league. Other players up in this ranking are guys like Amari Cooper, Marquise Brown, Corey Davis. Before I even loved Corey Davis mm. from a data standpoint, the data did love him. Um, so it's not perfect, obviously. Um, there's also guys like Taiwan Taylor in there who never did anything. Jerry Judy's up there, too, who I think is only listed as an average player so far because that's what he's done for two years, part of injuries. Um, but he could be better. So, like, you're – to me, Smith and Jigba's in good territory just from a, just from a data production combine standpoint. Um, Jordan Addison is still solid, but not necessarily at that level. So I'm letting the, letting the data maybe dictate my ranking here as well. I also think, by the way – Whatever order you have them in, both those guys are going to be good right off the bat. Like, yeah, those I guys are going to be year one productive players. So, so that's our top two. Yep. Um, we both agree. So I'm going Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison. You're going the inverse. Who's your number three wide receiver? It's, it's Quentin Johnston from Same. TCU. Same. We're both and I going don't here. love it. but Oh, don't give them all away yet. Did we give them all away? <laughs> um, we lose I, some of the drama. Yeah, I don't love Quentin Johnson, um, but I think despite my reservations about him, the stuff that Renner loves is, is compelling enough that he's probably – it's more of – it's actually more a reflection of not loving the next group than it is loving Quentin Johnson. But I think the things that Renner loves, you know, 6'4", 215, really fast, um, is able to kind of turn, turn up field immediately – 
run after the catch. Like the stuff that he's good at is really dangerous and important and threatening at the NFL level. And as much as I think I don't love his hands, I don't love his ability with the ball in the air, I think he's bad at quite a lot of important elements of playing wide receiver. The stuff that he's good at, it feels like it's good enough that you settle on him being three. Yeah, I think maybe the story of this draft class is wide receiver light, right? Like he might be, Quentin Johnston, DK Metcalf light. Yeah. In that if you if you bring him into the NFL and you say, hey, run some go balls, run some slants. I like the way Quentin Johnston runs slants. I think he uses his body well and gets off the line well against press. Like he does some things well, but at 6'4", he should win at the catch point. He shouldn't be winning. I think it's 35%. It's bad of his contested catches. D- DK Metcalf would never, you know what I mean? So like that's the light part of it. So, but I think Johnston has the ability to get off press, stack a corner, yeah. get by him and not have a contested catch, but also get off press and run a slant and in honestly the in the the drag route that he ran against Michigan that he took for 71 yards where he outruns the defense. You could limit his route tree purposefully and create some big plays with Quinn Johnston. I feel like uh, where he lands is way more important for him than for the two guys above him. Like, you can plug either Addison or Smith and Jigba into any offense in the NFL, and I'm good with it. I don't think that's true for Quentin Johnston. I think he actually needs a team that is prepared to do what the Saints did for Michael Thomas, what the Seahawks did for DK Metcalf. Like, see a guy, understand he has some weaknesses – and help him out. Like, let's not ask him to do the things he's not very good at right away. Let's focus on the stuff he is good at, maximize that, and then we can, like, work on the rest off to the side. You know what I mean? Like, the Seahawks didn't ask DK Metcalf to do a lot early in his career, and then as things have gone, he's been asked to do more and more. Same with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas ran slants and goes in his rookie year, almost exclusively. And then as, the, you know, as things went, okay, he still got, like, you know, mocked for just running slants or whatever. But, like his route tree expanded. You don't catch 150 passes in a year or whatever just running slants. So if you get a team that's prepared to do that for Quentin Johnston, I think he can have success because he is very good at a bunch of things. If you don't, if you get a team that just expects him to come in and be their number one X receiver right out of the gate, like plug and play, that is more concerning. Yeah, so there's there's also elements to Johnston's game where, you know, I've got some notes in here where he's not necessarily QB friendly on some routes. So when we talk about route running, it's not just how you get in and out of your breaks, but it's the overall feel for the position. Are you working back to the ball? Are you are you cutting down angles away from the defender to go? I don't think I don't think he has much of that to his game. So that's where I'm a little I'm a little worried as far as Quentin Johnston goes for a guy that's big and fast. I'm assuming he's fast. He looks fast. He's numbers yeah. say he's fast on the field. He didn't run. Right. He hasn't run a forty. He's big and fast. So yeah, I think there are some limitations to his game. But I, I also think, as we said, put him into the right system. Let him play to his strengths. Let him develop the other parts of his game. Maybe they get better. It's wide receiver three for me. I'm okay with that. Yeah. To me, the, the concern is just like how high he's going to get drafted. I mean, which is by the way all over the place right now. Like he started off and he was the guy that was going to go in the top ten, and now you're seeing more and more mocks put him outside of the top twenty which I think is a more fair play, uh, spot, landing spot for him. But w- to me, it's like the concern I have is drafting a guy like him, let's say at 20, you know, it's somewhere in the top 20 of the draft versus some of these other guys that I have lower down on the list. If you can get them in the third or fourth round, there's not a huge difference between those guys and, and Quentin Johnston, who never graded above 76 
you know, over a season, yeah. a PFF. Like, the concern I have, like, the first-round draft pick versus the third for a guy that might not be noticeably different overall is where I have the concerns. I listened to some of your pod yesterday with, with Renner and talking about the receiver superlatives. I thought it was funny when he mentioned it was Max Duggan laser beams that led to yeah. Johnston's drops. Um, whether that's true or not, I mean, I'm not – I thought that was an interesting take from Mike. Mike had some really good insight, I thought, on – why he believed certain things, you know, with the receiver class in particular that I was listening to. The overall ball skills for a 6'4 receiver aren't great. The other quick comp that I'll make, because it's uh, Jaguars. Apparently he measured 6'3 at the combine, by the way. I need to Do update. I keep saying 6'4? You do, but only because I started off saying it. I mean, he's 6'4 in my head, so. Oh, okay. But Matt Jones, former Jaguar, who um, was 6'5", and ran a 4-3-8, and not, neither of those data points actually mattered in the NFL. He was not a good contested catch guy. He did not have good ball skills. He wasn't the guy you're throwing fades to, and the speed never showed up on the field. But Matt Jones, way back in 2006 to eight, basically, became a really good slant possession, yeah. short and intermediate threat. I'm not saying that's Quentin Johnston, but I'm saying just because a guy is 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", doesn't mean he's a good jump ball guy. I don't know if Quentin Johnston is. You could also is. find, like, there's some highlight real catches out there where he makes incredible catches. He, But I don't think he's good consistently at that part of the game. No, I don't think he did. He is at all. I think, in fact, he's kind of bad at the contested catch stuff. He There's so many plays on his tape where the ball's in the air. He's essentially got a jump ball of some variety versus a much smaller DB. And he goes up in a way that, it doesn't feel like even he believes he's coming down with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, it's sort of like, I know I'm supposed to go and contest for this, but it's sort of like, let's just make sure I'm seen to be doing it as opposed to get out of my way. This is my ball. Like there are definitely some like Drake London from last year when the ball was in the air, Drake London was going to get that thing. And if you were in his way, you were getting tossed to the side. You know, he was going to make sure that you were not a problem when it came to getting that ball. Johnston does not behave the same way whatsoever. Like, he will go and contest for it, but there isn't the same level of confidence of how that is going to end the way there was when Drake London goes for a ball. Like, there's a very different dynamic there between two guys that are ostensibly both big and tall and should be good at that stuff. Uh, I believe the game speed has Johnston as... Yes, so he's... Um, it's interesting. If you take some of the averages... Johnston's right up there in a similar spot as Jordan Addison, and he's in a similar spot as actually Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Jalen Hyatt's my fourth receiver on the list. Is he your four as well? No. He's not. I have him quite a bit lower, actually. Okay, so this is where, I mean... Not quite a bit, actually. Receiver rankings are going to be all over the place. Was it um, Lance Zerline has Jalen Hyatt number one? Yeah. And is it Chris Sims, who has not gotten back to me about getting on the show for tomorrow? Um Hmm. He's got Zay Flowers, number one. Chris he does. And you and I are both going to be lower on Zay Flowers, probably? Yeah. I don't know. I saw your list, and then I'm, I'm trying to ignore it. I'm trying to be surprised well as done. we go here. Yeah. So who's your number four? I'm going to say my four is Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. We'll discuss him a little bit and where you have him. Who's your four? So I have Hyatt six. Um, Not too bad. Tank Dell is my number four. So to me, it's— This is—you always go rogue at, uh, at number four <laughs> in your rankings. Well, I've been right last time. So last year was Pickens. Um, I went one back— One for one. I went back and re-listened. You had Pickens at four, and we were looking at consensus and Renner and all these things, and everyone else had Pickens like six through ten yeah. somewhere, and you were, you were higher on George Pickens than everyone. So I'm one for one. Let's see if I can make it two for two. 
Um, to me, the group is those three guys we talked about, and it's not even three, it's two, and then Quentin Johnston, who I think the fair spot for him is the third receiver. Then it's, it's the three small receivers that everybody likes and Jalen Hyatt. So in some order, it's Tank Dell, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, and Jalen Hyatt, right? And when I watched the three small guys consecutively, back to back to back, I think Dell is the best of the three. I think you have to kind of watch the, the small guys back to back. So Tank Dell's from Houston. Yes. Zay Flowers from Boston College. Yep. And Josh Downs from UNC. And Tank Dell is tiny. <laughs> He's yeah. like 5'10", 165 or something. The struggle is real here, man, with the, with the smaller receivers. And it's not just because, you know, height always wins. It's because physicality, it's a physical position. You know how uh, football just looks different. I assume a lot of people on the, in the chat here have at least at some point had a chance to just either participate in or watch a football game from the sideline at the college level. And then especially at the NFL level, it's a different world. But when you're close to the action, you see how physical receiver play looks. It doesn't look physical yeah, on really broadcast. Is. It's very physical. There's a lot of contact, not just at the line of scrimmage, but down the field. That's the concern with all of those guys. Tank Dell, Josh Downs, and Zay Flowers. Can they actually handle the physical nature of NFL cornerbacks who are strong, right, and use their hands yeah. and will knock you off your route. That's the concern, and that's why the NFL has the same concern with, you know, slight receivers. Right. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I told this story before, but, like, you know, I played in Ireland at an incredibly amateur level, and yet you reach a there, – there's degrees to which if somebody is so much smaller or bigger than you, it, it's a problem. Like, there's a picture of me somewhere trying to – defend a pass to that gargantuan tight end in the end zone the dude who's more your size than mine and it's like there's there's only so much i can do there right i can get airborne i can try and but like that guy has a reach advantage of like a foot and a half over what i can do if the ball is well placed there's nothing i can do about it and if we collide i'm just i'm bouncing like i'm not making an impact there similarly i've done like you know oklahoma type drills against guys that i outweigh by 40 plus pounds and there's a there's a there's a point where they're simply not carrying enough mass to do you any kind of damage like if they run into you even if they do full speed like hyper aggressive they're gonna bounce off because they're smaller now i don't know if that scales <laughs> i don't know where the physics changes on that but it feels like if you're tank dell and you're like 165 pounds and you run into a db that weighs 210 you're not coming out of that well. And he's your number four receiver. Yeah. So you, um, you're a big height weight discusser. We like, we like to have these discussions here. Go back to Devontae Smith. Yeah. And how 166. He yeah, he's 166. We had those same concerns. We're like, this is an extreme level of yes. slight for receivers. But when he was going up against college corners down the fields, did you see any issues with the physicality at that time, what were your concerns with Devontae Smith and how much of that applies to, say, this receiver class? I had basically zero concern with it from Devontae Smith's college tape. The only concern, it's similar to the Bryce Young conversation, which is it hasn't been an issue, but it's almost unprecedented at the NFL level, so I don't know if it will be an issue. I still, by the way, don't really know the answer to that question based off Devontae Smith's NFL career. Year one, it was kind of a problem, and then year two they got A.J. Brown, so he doesn't really face that kind of coverage as much anymore. Yeah. But overall, I would say it hasn't been an issue, and it certainly hasn't been an issue in terms of justifying the kind of draft spot I would imagine Tank Dell ends up being taken at 
even if you used like my ranking, right? If my board was your board, you're still only drafting him like the ass end of the first round at the highest, right? So at that point, I think there's no problem that I see whatsoever. Like he, he is tiny, but he's blazing speed. Like you can see that. He has the kind of, again, if you're going to have a problem or a deficiency somewhere, Jackson Smith and Jigba with a 4-5-3, you better be really good at something else. JSN is, Tank Dell is as well. He's got that blazing straight line speed. He's got obvious route running skills as well. You saw at the senior ball, him just take people to pieces in those one-on-ones. Um, he's toying. also... I said toying with cornerbacks at the senior bowl yeah, in yeah. my notes. The other thing he's good at, which is important, I think, is he's really good at knowing how to... I'm going to use the term push off because yes. it's what it is. Yes. He's really good at knowing how to do that downfield. Late hands. Yep. So, and this was something he needs to get more subtle at it, I think, because there were some times where it was like too obvious and he's going to get flanked. But he's very good at separating with the ball in the air, even if a guy's in tight coverage with essentially little push offs. And the line between that being a penalty and that being phenomenal wide receiver play is very very thin and you know maybe he needs to develop a couple more tricks or knacks in that but the fact that he knows how to do that to begin with I think is a very important thing for surviving as an undersized wide receiver and being able to get a guy away from you when the ball's arriving he, he does do that very well yes um, I, so I have that written down late hands one of my favorite plays and he also tracks the ball well in combination yes. in conjunction with that which is a really important thing so with Tank Dell and let me see where do I have him in my rankings. And I was kind of joking. Is it okay if we put all of our rankings out there? What do you think? I was kind of joking with Tyler. If we want to use full screens, we, can, mean, we I, can do it. I have Tank Dell sixth. Whatever. So I, have, I still have him high. Um, I, I think his acceleration is better than his long speed. Well, it certainly is if you, base, if you look at his numbers. And I know <laughs> if you look at the 40. So this is interesting, right? There are, I think it might be his trainer in particular. There is, there's a speed trainer out there, I, I don't know his name offhand, who's complaining about the, the NFL times where the, the, the 10s are so fast and then the actual 40 that the 20 to 40-yard time feels slow from the laser. And he was kind of complaining about it. So what was Tank Dell? He was like 1-4-5, 10? It was something ridiculous, like 1-4-5, but he ran high 4-4s four or whatever it was. And that seems crazy, right? Like 1-4-5 is insanely fast. That should lead to something in the four threes, maybe high four twos, to be honest. Right. So, but then I'm watching Tank Dell play, and I'm thinking, it kind of makes sense. I don't know that the long speed is special, but he, I think his acceleration is special. I think he, by his second step, he's gone. Yeah. And I think he is fantastic. On, and we saw at the Senior Bowl and at Houston, shallow crosses, passes underneath where he's going to catch and get upfield, but also those. Uh, just getting on top of corners and getting that step early in the route, I think Dell does a great job there. One of my favorite plays in the entire draft evaluation process was Clayton Toon, his quarterback, maneuvering the pocket, creating space, and throwing the ball 50-plus yards in the air to Tank Dell, who has the subtle push-off, which may not have been that subtle, but he catches it on the deep post. So, yeah, when you're watching the slight receivers, even though the contested catch numbers for Dell aren't great, I do think he has some of that nuance at the catch point that – isn't contested catch it is but it isn't but like he's has a way to separate late and and create those big plays yeah it is a really important thing like he's very good at that i think um and 
it shows up. Like if you're, again, if you're going to be really small, like it's important to have those kind of tricks and ability to separate and, and those kinds of things. If you look at his deep catch numbers last year, uh, what did he have? 28 targets, 12 catches for 366 yards, which is 30 yards a reception, five touchdowns. Um, the highest, I think, passer rating, one of the highest passer ratings in the nation when targeting him deep, like he is a legit take the top off a of defense kind of threat. And I think his route running, as he showed at the senior bowl in particular, is more than good enough to survive underneath as well. Um, just to describe a couple of the plays of the senior bowl, are we are we allowed to use though that film? Yeah. We should we, we should fire have been. We should fire some of those up. Um he had uh Jim Nagy posted the one where he did like the crisscross. Yeah. Right? Ridiculous. He did like a hopscotch move mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage just to get the get the corner going. He ran a deep out where the corner just fell down. Um and he was he was just toying with them. He was dominant at the senior bowl in one on ones. Um, so you have Tank Dell at four. Yep. I have him at six. My four, though, I'm going Jalen Hyatt. You're going Hyatt. Even with all of my concerns, the same concerns, um, I think I'm going to become a heightist here, where he's slight too, but he's taller than Tank Dell and Josh Downs and Zay Flowers, who I have all in the yeah. same in the same area. He's Is he officially 6'1"? I wrote down all these things before the combine, so I haven't actually readjusted my height. Yeah, I think I'm thing. using my whatever they – whatever they told me, heights. Um, but Jalen Hyatt has has the game speed as well. I think his speed shows up. It's it's certainly... I uh, see he's only six foot. He lost an inch. <sighs> he's taller than the other guys. Um, Barely. I, he's, he's the toughest evaluation. He's he's only faced... I was, I was doing a press coverage study. Can you make a good argument? So we'll talk about him generally, but can you make a good argument to justify Lance Erline having him as the number one wide receiver in the class? He's not alone in that. I'm just using him because that was the one we thought of. But I think, it, I think, I mean, if the people who listen to the podcast know how much I appreciate a good deep threat. Yes. And so I think the justification is if you think what you saw on film at Tennessee, which was aided by the scheme, but also Hyatt's good at it, right? <laughs> Being fast, running through the defense. Um, I mean, my question would be how many other guys that run 4-4 or lower, of which there are quite a lot, would put up absurd numbers if you run them in an offense where they're stacked every play and wide the hell open every other play. I think play. he's got some second gear to him. You know, I think um, there's a great uh, – I'm a huge – I'm not a huge Cam Smith. Uh, Cam Smith is a guy that's a fringe first-round cornerback from South Carolina. You see Hyatt run a really nice fade against him for a touchdown. I think there's a balance here, right? We say this all the time. It's not that they can't do something. It's that we don't get to see it. And it's also, do you you can't overrate Jalen Hyatt legitimately just running in a straight line a lot of the times and catching the ball. But other receivers get to do that in college, just not as often. So the justification is if you think Jalen Hyatt's decent size but legitimate second-gear speed makes him the deep threat in this class because Jordan Addison has some game speed, but the 40 time isn't there. Smith and Jigba doesn't have it. Quinton Johnston has the speed, but... We said he doesn't have the downfield ball skills. If you go through all of that list and say, who is the deep threat? I value that. That would be the justification, I would, I think, for Lance Erline saying, sure, Jalen Hyatt, he's my one in this class where I don't love anybody. He's the guy who's just a tick higher because I'm going to value that skill set. Okay. That's it. And that's where I am to put him at four, I'd we, say. Jalen Hyatt has the most targets, deep targets, over the last two years that are either open or wide open from a separation standpoint. And as much as I think generally that's quite a wide receiver-driven thing, 
in his specific case, I think it's very Tennessee offense-driven. Uh, well, yeah. I'm all, I'm you know who the top three are in that list, by the way? Who else? Uh, so Jalen Hyatt, number one. Zay Flowers, number two. Jordan Addison, number three. Well, there you go. All guys we're going to be talking about. Here. Most targets open or wide open over the last two years, period, regardless of depth, Tank Dell. Just open at all times. Yeah, so that, that is interesting. As I was looking at a lot of the numbers, a lot of these guys are open, not necessarily against single coverage, but overall as a percentile standpoint, a lot of receivers in this class, high percentage of open targets. Yeah. Whether that's them or the scheme or whatever it might be. Um, the other thing about Hyatt, and this was – I'm, I'm kind of letting the numbers tell the story here again, Sam. We came out of the combine a little disappointed because he looks fast and he looks 4-3, and he didn't run 4-3. But my uh, performance combine measure here, my PCM, has him in the either, depending on the model, 92nd or 99th percentile as far as projecting that to the NFL. The production for Hyatt is much lower, but when you roll them all up, He's a he's a draft guy. He's a I would draft. He hits. He's on the he's on the would take list. I'm thinking late first or early second for him. And um, yeah, I think there's there is that potential for him to be a legitimate NFL deep threat. He also falls into the one year wonder category, right? I mean the the production is a bit of a red flag. The actual on field production outside of this year, but it's this wide open class, so I'm okay with him at four. Um, if you look at open or wide open targets against single coverage over the last two years he tumbles down the list goes all the way down to 16 um oh that was that was the stat i wanted to bring up right so i'm looking at press coverage numbers and most receivers in this class have 200 to 400 snaps against press coverage and I'm, this is a loose press coverage definition the way we do it it's right. like the guys at least you know, they might be playing cover two they could be playing bail but the guy's on the line of scrimmage at the you know within one or two yards. Hyatt has sixty-seven. I was going to say, presume he has almost none. Sixty-seven snaps. So everyone else is two to four hundred. Yeah, sixty-seven snaps against press coverage, and they're not pretty. You know, they're like when you go actually watch, them, do they're it. not yeah. pretty. So, so there's a lot of projection mm-hmm. to Jalen Hyatt. He's the. I mean, it, it's literally the same conversation as his quarterback, Hendon Hooker. It's like. It's almost an abstract conversation. You're looking at him and you're saying, all right, based off this guy's height, speed, movement skills, what, we're at, you, know, what you see on this tape, can he be an elite high-end NFL wide receiver? But it's kind of like looking at an athlete playing soccer and saying, how would that guy do in the NFL? Like the translatable skills are very, very scarce. Like you're almost as well watching the drills at the combine and coming up with the same question. Like there's very few directly transferable skills because again like the route tree is different as well like he's not running a full route tree he's wide the hell open by scheme almost every single play he's running from stack formations so he never sees press coverage it's all abstract all right so just to recap here one last data point by the way yeah um again so you pff ultimate strong powerful good product open or wide open against single coverage or single coverage with help right so this was this data point where Jalen Hyatt slips all the way to 16 in the list of number of open targets. Uh, number one? Tank Dell? Yeah. There you go. My guy. You're number, you're number four, mm-hmm. Tank Dell. So quick recap here. By the way, on that one, number two, a guy that you wouldn't expect it to be. Who's number two? A.T. Perry, Wake Forest. 
Oh, he's the one guy of the sleepers. that's talked about as a possession guy more than anything else. Yeah, but he's open down the field, huh? Uh, not down the field, just overall. Oh, overall against yeah, that's, that's against good. single coverage in you know one on one. All right, my top four: Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, Jordan Addison USC, Quentin Johnston TCU, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. You are Jordan Addison, Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Tank Dell. Yeah. Who was your five? Uh, my five was Josh Downs, right? Yes. I'm also Josh Downs, UNC. So we right. both agree with five. So essentially, you and I have flipped four and six. I have Jalen Hyatt at four, Tank Dell at six. You have Dell at four, Hyatt at six. We both have Josh Downs at five. So now, neither of us has Zay Flowers in our top six, and we both have Downs at five. Discuss. Um, so I, let me just read you some of my notes for Josh, Josh Downs. I like note read. I love the reading of notes. I don't know if the people do, but I love the reading of scouting notes. So please. So again... Watch the small guys in sequence, largely, right? So note number one, another tiny wide receiver. This one way more stumpy than Dell or Flowers. So stumpy. Way more stumpy. Uh, better wide receiver and route runner than Flowers, but less exciting of an athlete was a note I had here. Um, I think that's fair. I needed to watch them side by side last night even more to, get, to, to separate them in different parts of their games. Yeah, and we'll get to Flowers because I don't dislike him. I just think some of the talk around him is getting a little bit out of control um i i think josh downs is really brave for a guy that small i I don't know if it's because he's stocky and stumpy however you want to term that but he seems to have a a degree of bravery that some of these other small receivers don't really have like he'll just throw himself up at the ball and work on the basis that like i'm built like a brick at this size so i'll probably be okay um that's probably a – I think that's a good thing for a guy that's that small, assuming he survives those hits. Uh, don't love – things I don't love about him is he's got a little bit of that Andy Isabella thing of just being dead on contact if somebody gets to him in the course of a route. I thought that got better. Well, maybe was, I, I was watching his contested catch playlist, and it felt like early in his – I watched from the beginning of his career, and it felt like he wasn't great at it early, and then he became really good yeah. at it by but, the end of 21 and 22. And part of this is – like, this is the inevitability of that size, right? This is part of the problem, is if you're 175 pounds or whatever, 165, 185, and, and a guy that weighs 210 gets his hands on you, he's just stronger than you are by a lot. Yeah. So he's probably going to stop you dead. Like, your, your ability to survive and thrive at the next level relies on avoiding that, not playing into it. You know what I mean? Did you see uh, Mina... Uh, Mina Kimes had a quick take on him a couple weeks ago nope. that, remi- uh, that stood out in my head. She was just mentioning how well he contorts his body and just, you know, body control and makes those catches, but how well he plays at the catch point. And I think, I could be putting words into her mouth, I think she said it reminded her a little of Tyler Lockett, the way he attacks attacks the ball. I could see some of that. And I think that's where, by the way, do you have Zay Flowers at seven? Yes. Okay, so I also have Zay Flowers at seven. To me, that's the difference in these two guys. Downs is a better catch point guy, right? I think both of these guys are small, slight, and probably going to spend most of their time in the slot. That's what the NFL is going to say. And I think Downs probably has a better, pure feel for the position. Probably just, a, I think he's a better, pure receiver. I think he's better at the catch point, though Zay attacks the ball like he's 6'5". Like, he, he wants it. I just don't know if he wins all the time. But Zay Flowers is just 
I think he's a much more dynamic athlete, better after the catch and all that stuff. So I think Downs, 77th percentile contested catch rate by the end of his year, uh, by the end of his career. Um, so he got so much better at the catch point. I think he just brings a little bit more there. Good route runner. He'll win there. He does just throw his body around. There's this play where Drake May is getting hit. I sent it to you yesterday. He's getting hit. Drake May does a Jameis. Does the Jameis where he's falling backwards and throws it up in stride to Josh Downs, who dives over a couple hurricanes from Miami, not the actual hurricane, and gets it in the end zone. Like, Downs is tenacious, man. Yeah, and, ironically. Uh, I like him a lot. So it's funny because Quentin Johnston, who is 6'3", you know, 215 pounds or whatever, is pretty atrocious at contested catch stuff. But Josh Downs, who is 171 pounds and five foot eight, is one of the best in the class and statistically. Like, he's top 10 in contested catch rate. Um, I mean, that's despite being outreached by God knows how much, like at least three inches in arm length, whatever that translates to as a true kind of catch radius, like the difference between the two is pretty spectacular. So let's get to um, – so we both have downs at five. By the way, I want to read the PFF draft board. So this is um, more Mike Renner's takes. Well, why don't we complete ours and then we can review with We'll Renner's review with – okay. 10. So we both have downs at five. Um, five. We agreed we both have different sixes. Yep. Number seven is Zay Flowers. Yes. Why are we both lower on Zay Flowers, who, by the way, the PFF draft board has Zay at three, mm. and other people have Zay at one. And a lot of a lot of people love Zay Flowers. They right? do, um, and I like him. Like, I, there's a lot that he does that's very fun. Um, and I think the NFL. So, do you have a comp for him? I don't love it, but I put in my notes. Are you triggering me to like because uh, you liked the comp that I sent you? I don't remember what your comp was. Oh, okay. So I said first watch i said philip dorsett with better ball skills oh okay then yeah i think it's terrible so yeah. <laughs> so the late austin gale had a couple of terrible comps for him as well i don't know if i'm just seeing him differently to everybody else but i don't love the philip dorsett one either i'm just saying that was my first that was the first watch i i would i would probably change that now go ahead who do you like so he reminded me a little bit of you, you remember the wide receiver version of dante hall so forget the punt returning stuff, which is obviously where he was, where he made his name. But remember, like the Chiefs are like, okay, we've got this guy who's like the most electrifying punt returner in the NFL, in NFL history. We have to be able to find a way of getting this guy involved in offense. So they kind of turned him into this slot receiver. And I think generally the NFL would be better at doing that now than they were back when the Chiefs were trying to do it with Dante Hall. But he kind of reminded me of like slot receiver Dante Hall. Um, and there's even a little bit of like poor man's Tyreek Hill to him. Like he's very bouncy and springy. Yeah, yeah. And with all these kind of big cuts and sharp moves. He looked like a chief, man. Yeah. He looked like a chief. He but, looked like you put him in that offense, this is scary. Right. But it's all that kind of stuff, right? It's this sort of get a guy the ball in space and let him just make people miss and use it, take advantage of that kind of springy bounciness and just freakish athleticism. Um, but I think he's way further behind in like route running and, and sort of feel for zone coverage and like the actual wide receiver parts of playing the game. So certainly when you're comparing, like to me, again, watching them consecutively, the small guys, Tank Dell, Josh Downs, and Zay Flowers, to me, Zay Flowers is clearly the worst sort of technical wide receiver of the group, but might be the, the sort of freakiest or most, most unique athlete. 
Yeah, I think that's where I landed with Zay. I mean, so even just some of the numbers, his separation percentage, how open he was against single coverage, well below. It was, it was still fine, but well below Josh Downs, well below Tank Dell as far as getting open against single coverage. Again, these are the guys I feel like he should be compared to, right? The guys that weigh 160s, 170s are undersized. So he doesn't get open as well as those guys. The contested catch percentage, I mentioned how Downs was in the 70th percentile. Well, Zay's uh, 28th percentile in his career. I think he, he's he got this want to to go up. Like he's He tries to play like he's big. He just doesn't win often at the catch point. He's got a couple spectacular catches out there too, but doesn't win often. The... But if he's if you get him open, like if he was in the Chiefs' offense, he would put up wide receiver one numbers. And I know that's a big if, and it's Mahomes, and it's the Chiefs, but he might be number one on the Chiefs' board, just like I think Brandon Ayuk was number one or two on the 49ers' board a couple years ago. I think there are a few schemes that are going to be like, we'll get Zay Flowers in space. We'll get him away from press. We'll get him away from, uh, you know, whatever. We'll put him in space, and then he's our guy. And I think there will there should be some schemes that maybe love Zay Flowers more than others. Yeah, sure. Um, the the thing was it Josh Downs who we said he has a little bit of that Andy Isabella thing, the dead on contact thing. Zay Flowers is way worse at that. I one of the notes I wrote was um, like his strength through contact in routes is is atrocious. The slightest contact stops him dead. It reminded me of. You know when you're playing video games, particularly racing games, and you hit like the wall and it takes all of your speed off like yeah. immediately. And now you gotta wind back up again, accelerate back to top speed. That's Zay Flowers with contact in his routes. As soon as anybody touches him, it's like bam, all the speed's gone. Now you're crawling and you gotta get back to top speed again. He's he's got that Andy Isabella thing of if you get contact on him during his route, his route is in trouble. Um, the other thing that I find interesting from a top speed standpoint, lower numbers than Jalen Hyatt, Quinton Johnston, Jordan Addison. As yeah, far as I game think he's goes. he's got bounce and spring and short area stuff. I don't I don't see the sort of the high end that some of those other guys have. So here's my other concern for Zay Flowers, the model. Oh, both. Well, that was right. yeah, right, right at the beginning. It didn't like him, right? Yeah, and uh, it still doesn't, even with the combine. Even with the combine added in, and I, I mentioned, I mentioned there's two, you know, A-B testing, two different models. Mm-hmm. One version, for instance, does not like Quinton Johnston at all. The other one does. You know, so depending okay. on how I weigh things, one, I think, uh, probably weighs uh, possession receivers a little bit higher. The other one doesn't. So with, you know, depending on what you're looking at, you could convince yourself, hey, Quinton Johnston's fine. And uh, compare it to success rates and everything. Neither of the models like Zay Flowers, both have him in the 40th percentile, which, um, again, in in one of the versions, it completely missed on, say, Stephon Diggs. Had him in the 40th percentile, he became right. an elite player. There's a f- But the hit rate is low. This, this is why we're doing this. The hit rates are really, really low. So that's the other concern I have. Now, receiver data and production and all that stuff always is going to be dependent on quarterbacks. And that's my one takeaway after watching so many receivers is how bad the quarterback play is over and over and over again. It's, it's rough. And BC has not had very good quarterback play. That's always going to affect things. Yep. I'm just saying the historical precedent from a production, uh, production wise for Zay Flowers is not great. Um, and he's one of those, I like him, I like him on film, but the, you know, I couldn't find data that really backed it up for me. I, I would just question whether he can be more than effectively a sort of gimmick 
plus slot receiver at the next level. I I have the biggest question about his role of any of these guys in the top ten. This is interesting. We uh, people are already responding to us. Zay Flowers is going to light it up. Zay Flowers from uh, Michael Gartman, who's apparently listening live, tweeting at us. Zay Flowers is a bigger, faster version of Steve Smith, and that's not according to me. Oh, that's what? according to Steve. That's according to Steve Smith. So I've been watching Steve Smith's been doing a lot of these videos for Underdog, and I've been watching quite a few of them. I mean, look, Steve Smith is one, an awesome human being; two, a friend of the show; and three, a scary individual. So I'm I'm not going to be too harsh on him. I feel like like Steve Smith is quite a sort of everything is positive kind of guy when it comes to wide receivers. You know, he t- he's talked up a lot of these guys sequentially, and I feel like you can't be that high on all of them. It, you can. You can be. Like, it, to me, it is, it is a position, right? Like I said, if I'm the Chiefs, if you'd ask me, build a draft board for the Chiefs, I would put Zay Flowers third. <laughs> I would. Okay. I'd put him third. For the Chiefs, I'd put him third. Because I think they could use him the same way they started to use Kadarius Toney and get a lot of production out of him. And I, I, I don't think the skill set that like Jalen Hyatt, yeah, you're going to have him running through the defense and the whole thing. I wouldn't want him necessarily. You don't need him. Yeah, Tank Dell would be fine. I think Zay Flowers might be better just in pure, like, with the ball in his hands, in space, and the Chiefs are going to do that. So I, I honestly do think it depends on the team and what you're looking for. But also, for me, it's seven because I'm ranking in, in a vacuum here. I also don't believe he's any of the things Steve Smith said. Like, he's not bigger than him. He's not faster than him. He's like, even if he was better, he isn't any of, he's not bigger or faster. Yeah. Like, I Steve mean, Smith was lightning fast and he was, what, 5'9, but like 200 pounds. He's bigger. S- Steve Smith was incredible at the catch point, right? Yes. What made him special was like, he was, I mentioned Zay plays like he's 6'5, but. He wants to play like he's 6'5". Steve Smith did. Like, Steve Smith won at the catch point. He was tenacious. He won over the middle of the field. I don't know if Zay Flowers wins over the middle of the field I mean, Zay, with contact. Zay put on 10 pounds of muscle for the combine stuff. Like, there's before and after photos of him packing on the poundage. And despite that, he was still 10 pounds lighter than Steve Smith was. So, he's not um, bigger. He just isn't. Like, factually. And... He isn't faster. I don't remember what Steve Smith ran, but I would bet quite a lot of money that it was faster than 4-4-2. So Steve Smith, with the greatest of respect, is simply wrong on those two points, if nothing else. Can we also reiterate, I mean, we're we're putting rankings out, 1 through 10. I don't have strong feelings in the difference between 4 through 10, to be honest. I don't have strong feelings, right? Like, that's... The exercise isn't to do that. Yeah, I mean, Zay Flowers is the one we're going to be furthest away from everybody else. Like, because apparently the consensus has him as the number three receiver, a first rounder, a guy that is getting number one talk on a few boards. There are a bunch of people that love Zay Flowers in this draft. I, from watching him from the start, have never fallen into that category. So for us ranking him, it's gonna, like this is the one we're going to be the most outlier on, I believe. Which is fine. Like body control. I'm comfortable with that. Slippery after the catch. The physicality and just winning at the catch point is going to be a concern for me with Zay Flowers. So both have him seven. I just worry about what's his ceiling. I don't know that he can be more than a gimmick in slot receiver and occasional deep threat. This is where things really get off the rails here. Who's your receiver eight? I think we could could put the full screens up, and let's just discuss 
our eight through ten. Because again, I don't I don't think these are hard and fast rankings. Like, man, this is definitely eight. This is definitely nine. We both agree this is fuzzy territory here. Number eight, Jonathan Mingo, Ole Miss wide receiver. Uh, there we go. There's number Sam's nine, Cedric Tillman, the other Tennessee wide receiver. And uh, number ten, Rasheed Rice from SMU. Yeah. So this is why it's interesting. I I have both Tillman and Rice in my top ten. I have also added Marvin Mims from Oklahoma into my top 10. So my eight is Rasheed Rice. Mm-hmm. My nine is Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. And then I have Cedric Tillman 10th as well okay. for Tennessee. I have a bunch of other guys that I wanted to put into the top 10. That, I, that yeah. just, it, It's all close. Who's who's the first name that missed the cut? Uh, Michael Wilson from Same. Stanford. I don't – I, 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 I love – I really want to put Michael Wilson in the top 10. Let me just tell you this. Listen, again, based off what you need – I've talked to teams that don't want small guys right now, right? They don't want small receivers. Yeah. They want somebody who's a little bit bigger. It's unfortunate for this draft. It's just what they want. So can we put Sam's rankings back up there really quick? Um, if you are watching on YouTube, please, I'm sorry. Um, it, it, when you look at Sam's rankings here, as soon as you get to four, right, the top three guys are big. As soon as you get to four, Tank Dell small, Josh Downs small. Right, if you don't like small receivers. Jalen Hyatt slight. You're jumping to number eight already. Yes, so Mingo's the first one who has size on your list. And then if you threw Michael Wilson from Stanford, who's about 6'2", 215, yeah. you threw him into the top 10 anywhere, some teams are going to jump from Jordan Addison, Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston. They're right. going to jump down to Michael Wilson and say, we want a guy like this, who reminded me a little bit of a Michael Gallup type on the outside, Z receiver who could face press and all this stuff. So it's going to be a type thing. Uh, Michael Wilson. Yeah, it's true. I like, wouldn't hate putting him at seven or eight on a list, especially right. depending on what you're looking. I for. I mean, if you look on my list specifically, you run through once you clear that top three guys, you then run through all the small receivers. And to be honest, as much as Jalen Hyatt is tall, he's 180 pounds. Like you could probably throw him into that bucket as well. But then almost all the guys after that are bigger. Mingo is six two, two twenty. Tillman is six three, over two hundred. Rasheed Rice is six three, over two hundred. Michael Wilson, we talked about. At Perry from Wake Forest, six three. Matt Landers from Arkansas, six four. Like these are all much bigger uh, wide receivers. Once you clear the tiny guys, so if if you hate that size, like if you really want size, it's a totally different wide receiver ranking. All right, let's go through your eight through ten, and uh, why do you have Mingo at at number eight? He did not crack my. My top ten. I like Mingo a lot. I'm I'm watching so Jonathan Mingo, Ole Miss. Yeah, and he's a guy who his he's a senior this year. His highest PFF grade was 77 this season, but it's also the year that he had the most opportunity. He hasn't had an awful lot of production or an awful like a ton of playing time, uh, a play uh, opportunity targets, all those kinds of things. So he he's not a guy that's like if you're the the sort of dominator stat type people the guys that had incredible numbers at 20 this is not a guy you want like he's his he hasn't dominated at any point but when i put on his tape and work through what he's good at i struggle to see anything he's bad at and i see quite a lot that he's good at and i'm kind of looking at this and saying all right you're 6'2 220 you're fast enough you're big enough you're strong enough you've got spectacular catches on tape um you clear press coverage and contact early and quickly and really well I just, like I, I'm kind of struggling why he won't be a decent player at the next level. Like I'm, I'm, I can't find reasons that he's not good. He's another one of those uh, good game speed guys. Yeah. So, you want some numbers? Sure. That I'm, you know, see if I get fired. I was gonna say I like the cautioning of me. I can't get that away earlier, and then you just sitting here like firing it out there, like. 
So the the relative numbers they're they're a challenge because the numbers that we get for college are different from the numbers that we get that you, you are used to seeing from the NFL. So when you hear 21 miles an hour, or 22 miles an hour, whatever, Mingo's a half a mile an hour faster than Jalen Hyatt. Let's go on a uh, just taking his average, the average of his top five. So not just one speed, the average of his top five max speeds in his career. Mingo's half a mile an hour faster than Jalen Hyatt. He's faster than Quentin Johnston, faster than Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, all those guys. So Mingo's up there, man. Um, I don't know if he's a great receiver necessarily, but he could be one of your pure deep threat types. I think uh, my question was, could he just be your deep over guy? Can he just be your guy that's that's running over routes, over routes? Um, when I, Jalen Hyatt is similar, right? I mean, that's we're asking the same question with Hyatt. I don't know if he can do anything else, but maybe he could at least just be this this downfield guy. He had the incredible one-handed catch, Mingo. Uh, against Central Arkansas, he does track the ball pretty well, and he's got that second gear type of speed. There is a lot to like about him. I just don't think he's great overall. So he, to me, Jonathan Mingo's in this chunk of receivers who tested well, mm-hmm. uh, play well uh, speed-wise, and um, I do have an, an interesting data point on that that I can drop. I'll just drop it right now. <laughs> Guys in my model who are in the 90th percentile or better in the combine historically average about 13 and a half yards per reception at the NFL level. The average for a receiver is over two yards shorter than that, about 11, 11 and a half. So Mingo's one of those potential guys. Quentin Johnston's up there. Jalen Hyatt's up there. He's in this bucket of, I would take a shot on him as a potential deep threat because he's in this world of where you find deep threats historically in the NFL. How's that? Yeah. I I mean... I don't like the fact that he's old and has never had great production. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna butter that up as anything other than a concerning data point. But when you go through his tape, there's an awful lot to like. And it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being a guy that's just immediately a much better player than people thought he was as a prospect coming out. Um, so that's why I wanna bring up the other so the two other guys who are in this ninetieth percentile combine bucket in my uh, performance combine measure here. Two other players, Rasheed Rice and Marvin Mims. Now, Rice, I think, is the most confusing receiver in the entire draft. Yes. He's big, and then there's some times where things look great. There's other th- times I think he looks slow. But the com- by combine numbers love Rasheed Rice. So, I don't see it on the field at all like I see it with Bingo, but I, it works. He's so confusing as a prospect. I, I don't understand it. Like, I, Despite actually having a quarterback that seems to be quite good in overall terms, some of the targets sent Rasheed Rice's way were abysmal. Um, like, I, I just don't he, – he's a guy that seems to get stuck on contact in a way that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it makes sense for guys that are small, you know, Josh Downs, say Flowers, Tank Dell. Those guys getting stuck on contact once a guy with 200 pounds behind him gets hold of them makes perfect sense to me. Rasheed Rice seems to kind of blow past people – when he starts accelerating and then it's almost like he likes the contact he just sort of sticks on it and stays there hand fighting with receivers or with corners rather that he should be gone right by and was going right by until he decided to like distract himself by like yeah get away what are you doing just keep going yeah i i couldn't tell what was like, going on so i literally played- i literally wrote down on my note like does he deliberately reinitiate contact after going by a guy like what is this Rasheed Rice man he, he played injured last year he had a broken foot as uh, early as September that I think he played through so I was looking at the tracking numbers and nothing 
but there was there wasn't much of a difference last year than the previous year so it didn't necessarily affect his speed i thought he looked slow but then other times he'd sneak up on dbs right off the release um senior bowl was similar um so i i think i like rice i think i think he's good I'm mm. just wondering why he wasn't better. I think I, I, I'm trying to figure out because every time I started to like him, I'm like, man, why, why isn't he running away from somebody? Why does he look a little bit slow? But I think he's good. He's got good ball skills. He so wins at the catch point. He's got a great catch. Um, he's got a great way, a, a great tracking and ability to go get the ball. I just worry about his athleticism. And then my combine numbers say, no, he's fine. He's good, right? So I'm, I'm back and forth on all this stuff with Rasheed Rice. He's, he's really strong as well, like for – um, like I, I expected him to weigh significantly more than he did just based off his tape. You know, you look at him and he feels like a guy that weighs like 220 pounds and he's quote unquote only 204. He's, he's Bryce Young size. Uh, but like he's, he's big, he's strong, he's powerful. He plays with that sort of Isaiah Pacheco real want to. Like he's got some, this is every, there's a player that does this every year. Last year was George Pickens actually. Um, who's got a bunch of these plays where he just pancakes a corner in the run game just for giggles. Rice does. Rice that, yeah. has got a bunch of those in his tape. I think we're well. going to see that catching on more cuz I, I don't know what you do as a corner. You're trying to Oh, there's nothing you're trying you can to do. mirror but, him. And I'm not you're even trying sure. To cover him. Yeah, there's nothing you can do and I don't even know if it means anything significant, but the fact that he's like he's got that kind of dog in him in terms of wanting to go beat people up sometimes. Got that dog in him. So, uh, where do you have Rice again? Let's put up my top 10. He's my 10 if we can. So he's your 10. He's yeah. my 8. Rasheed Rice from SMU. There's my list. Just to review, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Tank Dell, sorry, Zay Flowers, 7, Rasheed Rice, 8. This is the one guy now at 9 that I have on my list that you don't have in your top 10. Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, and then we both have Cedric Tillman at 10. Mm -hmm. um, so Mims, and who was your 9 again? Yeah, Tillman. I've got, we've both got Tillman and Rice. And then oh, yeah, I, okay. I had... I'm sorry. So Mims from Oklahoma is the only guy I have that you don't have. Another slight, fast receiver. Yeah. Who I think has good good ball tracking down the field. Uh, it's another one scheme-wise. Oh, man, it's so bad. Like, there were so many times he just ran straight yeah. in a straight line. So the production is certainly there. Um, but I think he's... I think he should be, like, somewhat in the conversation as some of those uh, those undersized receivers. He was really good with uh, Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago. Was it Hurts? No, he didn't have hurts. He had um, Spencer Rattler. In his good year. In his, in his best year. Mims was really good as a true freshman. He kind of tapered off a little bit. But I think, I think he's underrated in this class. I like Mims. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't dislike him. He's just outside of my top ten. Like, you, all the things you articulated are correct. He's got speed. He's, he's really direct with the ball in his hands. He's, like, good after the catch. Um, he takes smart angles, doesn't hang around like he goes after the catch. He's got a pretty good stiff arm. I like them. I just lower than these other guys. If I had to redo this, I might put Michael Wilson at number 10 instead of Cedric Tillman. I mean, they were they were a tough Yeah. a tough decision for me. What would you like about what you thought what do you think about Cedric Tillman, the other receiver at Tennessee who by the way was more hyped? I mean, he was supposed to be better than Jalen Hyatt mm. before Hyatt just kind of broke out this year because of Tillman's injury. Very different styles of wide receiver, obviously. Tillman um He's for a big guy, and he is pretty big. He stops very suddenly, and I mean, like throttles down. So you yeah, know, that sort of threatening a go route and then breaks it off for a comeback or a hitch. Yep, he stops in an instant, like on a dime. 
He's good at the catch point. I, I think Mike Renner had him as the best guy in the class at the catch point. I'm not sure I quite buy that, but he's def, it's definitely a strength of his. Um, there are some passes that hit the ground that you would like to see not hit the ground for a dude that's supposed to be peerless at that. Um, I think he's fast enough once he's going. You know, it takes him a little time to get there, but I'm fine with the speed. He is absolutely fearless. You can lead him into hell, and not only does he catch it, but he doesn't even break. It doesn't affect him. Like he doesn't read. He doesn't acknowledge that there's a hit incoming off the back of this. He's going to catch the ball and then take whatever you've served him up in terms of a hospital pass. We haven't said that about many receivers. No, so far. So that. So again, when we're talking, I think I think Zerline has Tillman five. The initial rankings I saw Hyatt one and Tillman five, and it's like it goes back to well, here's this bigger dude who yeah. looks nothing like the other uh, smaller guys that we ranked and I wrote down tough slant runner you know something similar and he's got a pretty good feel for for uh, yards after the catch when he does catch the ball over the mid- middle body control catch point all of that stuff um, but that's different from everybody else so it's going to be another one where do you like this right I don't know if you noticed Tillman versus press at all it looks like he doesn't even try to get open he just tries to like run through corners yeah. all the time which is uh i wrote down as a weakness he's got work to do there but he has way more experience because he played in different systems at tennessee he's got over 300 snaps against right. press it's not really his strength though no but um but i like him as a receiver i think and again in this he's the sort of first guy where he's the total antithesis of those small shifty guys that ha- may have very limited roles like he's almost your prototypical bigger bodied possession type of dude um, and then just I want to highlight Michael Wilson, and then we can get into our sleepers. Mm-hmm. Michael Wilson from Stanford, he always caught my eye watching film earlier. I had to watch a little Tanner McKee yesterday, you know, watching, rewatching Michael Wilson. You didn't get – we need a segment. I did. I got, I, got I got it. I didn't I hear it yesterday. I'm sorry. I set him going. Does he – is he still backing it up? Oh, yeah. People are asking questions yeah. around the league. <laughs> About uh, our Tanner McKee ranking, which he, has which is Renner's ranking. I gave Renner the floor. I let him justify his love for Tanner McKee, and he did. It's literally the only one. Yeah. No one's caught on. No. It's okay, though. Um, anyway, Michael Wilson, his teammate, 96th percentile contested catch guy. He's got pretty good size. He's, I think he's quick against press. Yep. There's a lot to like about Michael Wilson. There is. I mean, the biggest concerns, though, are like injury history, you know, five-year college career, less than 100 targets over the last three seasons. Yeah. Like he, if you could guarantee he was going to be healthy going forward, I think you'd probably throw him in your top 10 without questions. But there's quite a lot of concerns about uh, in terms of that. But like really nice release, releases, understands how to set up DBs. He's really good at the catch point. He smoked guys at the senior bowl. He was, he's good. All right. So you want to do another quick review of our top 10 and then we'll get into our sleepers? All right. Hit it. Uh, my top 10, we just posted it up there. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, Tank Dell, Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman. I don't feel good about any of it, but there it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, four through 15 are interchangeable. What are you most confident about on that list? I think what you said earlier, Smith and Jigba and Jordan Addison will be good. Yeah. I'm not confident that them as one and two in this class are good. We're not going to see a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase, maybe not even Garrett Wilson, I don't think. But I feel confident that Smith and Jigba is going to be good, especially. Less confident about Jordan Addison, which is why he's my two, but Smith and Jigba is going to be good. Yeah. Let's go to your list. 
and review your Jordan Addison, number one, Jackson Smith and Jigba, number two, Quentin Johnston from TCU, number three, Tank Dell from Houston, number four, Josh Downs from North Carolina, five, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, six, Zay Flowers, Boston College, seven, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, eight, Cedric Tillman, the other Tennessee receiver at nine, and Rasheed Rice from SMU at 10. You did a much better I was trying to just just go super fast. You did a much better job of uh, naming the school and making sure people, people know like what they're that. listening people to. People like it. What are you most confident in in it's, your list? It's really the, that it, it's the, two, the top two guys. Those two guys I'm confident in, almost nothing else. I'm also, we're way out on a limb here. I'm, I am quite confident that Zay Flowers is overrated. I'm, I'm acknowledging that I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a minority here, and there's a lot of smart people that are on the other side, and that's never a tremendously happy place to be. No. But I'm fairly confident that I'm right about that. Uh, so I'm – I mean, I'm, I'm fine with my Zay Flowers ranking and all that stuff. I'm, I'm okay with that. I also have acknowledged many times on this show if there's a position I am less confident in. Right. As far as the data goes, mm-hmm. it's receiver. And it's also – I do think historically we've had pretty good – receiver takes as yeah. far as like I think you and I both had AJ Brown and DK Metcalf as one and two Renner did too like we did pretty well there it's also um what we talked about with Quentin Johnston the capacity for the landing spot to matter when it comes to wide receivers is huge yeah so you can create a path for success for a lot yeah of these I guys. mean you talked about Zay Flowers landing on the Chiefs is a different proposition than Zay Flowers landing somewhere else where the role isn't as tailor-made yeah. for him like, like if like, he ends up in a good situation, it completely changes your outlook of what that'll be. And it's not just because it's the Chiefs. Like if Michael Wilson goes to the Chiefs, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying that's a perfect fit. I'm saying Zay Flowers specifically on the Chiefs, they're gonna right. they're gonna make him really, really good. Um, I'm also reminded of the year, I think it was the 2018 class, where we were trying to find a, a number one receiver and we just wanted to rank the top receivers fifth. Yeah. And that was Calvin Ridley, Michael Gallup, uh, Cortland Sutton, James Washington. Mm-hmm. Those types where it just it felt like a whole bunch of number two receivers, and that's really what it ended up being. Calvin Ridley probably the closest maybe to a one in that group, whatever. But um, there's just these different vibes with receivers every year. I also think last year's receiver class, there could have been four or five different wide receiver ones, and uh, you wouldn't be completely wrong. So every year has these different vibes when it comes to receivers. Yep. All right, who are your sleepers? Sleepers. In this draft. I have three of them, one of whom I need to make sure is queued up because I have it spelled out phonetically. Uh, Are they all in a line, actually? Um, Yeah, they are. So Matt Landers, Arkansas wide receiver. Uh, Andre Yoshivash, the Princeton wide receiver. I I never would have said it like that. You wouldn't get there without checking, I don't think. Yoshivas. Yeah. Yoshivash. Yoshivash. I'm not saying it again. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, the West Virginia wide receiver. These are all bigger guys, actually. I didn't realize until um, just looking at it now. None of them is below six foot three. They're all over 200 pounds. Landers is fascinating. He was buried on Georgia's depth chart for a bunch of years and then went to Toledo, had a pretty good year, and then Arkansas, where he had a really quite a good year, is a legit athlete, like sudden, fast. Um, at that size, I think he's got good hands. He's the drop rate isn't great, but he catches everything away from his frame. Uh, really, just sort of plucks it out of the air. If he gets a clean release, he is gone. Like flies past people. Good after the catch. Like the stop start for that size is really good as well. Don't love how he tracks the ball in the air, but you know I think he's he's good at that stuff. If you could give him a little bit more physicality, generally. 
I'd be on board hugely. But if he's 6'4", feels like he can get heavier than 200 pounds and maybe get a bit more physical. All three of those guys, Sam, are in my 90th percentile combine ranking. Let's go. So, well done. All model guys. So they're not model guys. They're just 90th percentile for the combine okay, portion. Okay, so they're athletes is what we're saying. Yes. Right. So, again, I, I broke this down separately uh, yesterday. I looked at the league. I said, where are the, who are the 90th percentile combine guys historically? And historically, they average 13 and a half yards per catch. That's where your deep threats come from. Uh, Denzel Mims was one of those guys, by the way. Mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples-Jones, John Ross, Darius Slayton, Christian Watson. These are all guys that either for one play or more – became a legitimate deep threat. DJ Chark, Terry McLaurin. Despite talking up uh, guys that aren't ticking the physical boxes, it turns out my type is actually just prototypical out-of-the-box athletes. Yeah, I just just found it interesting because all of of those guys have a lot. Khalif Raymond came out of that group. They became the deep threats, right? And in this draft class, there's some of the high-end guys, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt, Rasheed Rice, Marvin Mims, Trey Palmer's in there who's a speedster, and then four of your guys, Jonathan Mingo, who's your eight, and your three sleepers, Princeton, Bryce Ford Wheaton, and Matt Landers. Very interesting, mm-hmm. Sam. They are guys that I would take flyers on to become potential downfield threats. Yeah, so let me run through the, uh, the last um, couple that I have, and then we can hit your list. Uh, so Andre Yosivash, uh, the Princeton wide receiver, he's got really good grades at PFF. 86 receiving grade last season. He's a legit athlete and sort of, you know, obviously according to your, your numbers – but it's obvious that he's not just like legit for the Ivy League. Once you see his tape, he's got very good hands and ball skills, doesn't drop an awful lot. Like good after the catch, they used him a lot on that kind of stuff because clearly he's the best receiver they had at Princeton. Um, what he does really well, or one of the things he does really well, is as soon as the ball is in his hands, he shields it from DBs really well. Like he'll go pluck the ball out of the air, and then do that thing where you catch it and immediately wrench it away from the corner yeah. and make sure that guy can't make a play on the ball or in your hands. That's a big thing. Um, he needs to work a little bit harder, I think, to get off contact during routes, but that's like you're gonna that's a theme through this draft class, right? There's a lot of guys we've said that about. I think there's a lot to like about him. And then Bryce Ford Wheaton, the West Virginia guy, 6'4, 220 pounds, huge. Uh, elite athlete again, sudden movement. Stop, 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 start again. This is another one of those offenses where it's, you know, it's not helping you out in terms of scheme and what it's doing for you. Lined up basically at left wide receiver every single snap. Spready type of offense. Um, inconsistent ball skills, like a pretty frustrating number of drops for a guy. Doesn't have a great idea how to set up DBs. To me, though, he is like the poor man's version of Quentin Johnston. So, we're talking about Quentin Johnston going in the middle of the first round somewhere. I don't know where Bryce Ford Wheaton is going to end up, but if it's in the mid rounds, give me that before I take Quentin Johnston in the first somewhere. I think he's in the 200s on the consensus. That's board. what I mean. Like yeah. if you can get him low down in the draft, there's a play against Kansas, I think, where he takes a screen, just a wide receiver screen, and just houses it. Like it's it's exactly the kind of plays that Quentin Johnston is. You're going to see like. You know, when the draft happens and somebody takes Quentin Johnson, you're going to see all those plays where he takes something and just runs through the defense. Like, Bryce Ford Wheaton's got those on his tape as well, and it's not going to cost you a first-round pick to get him. He's an interesting breakdown for me. 99th percentile combine, but 5th percentile production. Yeah. So, yeah, the uh, production and the right. the traits aren't really matched mm-hmm. well there. So those are your sleepers. 
Yeah. All right, great. Who are yours? Uh, let's go to my sleepers, if we can get those up. There we go. Parker Washington from Penn State. I don't know if you got around to watching Parker Washington. Or Puka Nakua mm-hmm. from BYU. Or uh, Xavier Hutchinson from, uh, from Iowa State. So, um, yes, they're all uh, data guys, right? I think the, the data's pointed me in their direction. When I watched Parker Washington, I did love him a lot. Weird body type for a receiver. 5'10", 215. Very weird body type, but that dude wins at the catch point. And he's, uh, he's just a playmaker, man. I like Parker Washington a lot. Uh, it reminded me of a Randall Cobb, middle of the field type of role, where I think uh, he returns punts as well. So I think he's just good in space overall. Uh, the body control I thought was fantastic for Parker Washington. Uh, Puka Nakua is an interesting one because, again, there's, there's data pointing to him. I, I like, don't love him on film. So I'm letting the data say, let's, uh, let's see a little bit more. i got to see a little bit more testing from BYU. These are all model guys, presumably? Uh, yeah, they might be. Uh-huh. Um, but Puka, he went to the Senior Bowl, and he's another – I feel like I've fallen in love with the uh, ball skills, body control type of, type of players. I don't think Nakua is sudden necessarily, but he's got the build-up speed, really good body control around the sideline. He's smooth. Tracks the ball. I wrote down contortionist on off-target <laughs> throws. He's a contortionist. So there's a lot that I like about him. I don't know if he has that uh, dynamism off the line of scrimmage that you need. Um, and then Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, one of the notes I wrote down here was uh, a little bit of same school scouting, maybe. Same helmet. But Alan Lazard, uh, slant, uh, possession type. I could see Xavier Hutchinson in, in that type of role. So I, I could see a role for him. At the next level, um, again, he's he's good, not great, but um, he's good on slants, in breakers generally. He's not great after the catch, but he's going to get open and catch the ball and average 10 yards per reception yeah. and be a, be a possession type. 90-plus PFF grades for Hutchinson just consistently makes a ton of plays. Yeah, so it's an interesting class, man. There's yeah. Every year I feel like you can go 30 deep at receiver. It doesn't always pan out that way, but it's all about finding – finding guys and, and putting them in their roles. So mm-hmm. so there we go. Always let us know where we were wrong, where we were right, where you agree, where you disagree, and why we should be higher on Zay Flowers. Let us know in the comments or the chat. So that's Walt, it. Walt's got plenty of notes. Don't worry. Walt has a lot of notes. He's got his big board, his draft, mock draft. And the you whole and him have the same sleeper, though. Oh, no, that's good. I didn't know that we had this, two of the same sleepers. Thanks, Walt. I don't know. I'm going to rethink, rethink things. <laughs> Thanks, to everybody, for tuning in. I'm done talking today. I'll be back tomorrow for more. NFL Draft Action.